Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Al D. This is a show designed for aspiring current and former MBAs looking for advice on how you can grow your career through an MBA degree. During each episode, I'll talk to MBA students, graduates, and leaders about the MBA experience, navigating the workplace, and career development so you can learn how to develop and achieve your own version of career success through an MBA and beyond. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast, and today I'm joined by Stephanie Movahead, who is a uh, the founder of Stephanie Movahead Coaching. She is also a MBA graduate of the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business, and I've had the privilege of knowing Stephanie for about seven or eight years now. And I'm excited to talk to Stephanie today about her career journey, her time in business school, and how she has gone through her career journey since business school to the work that she does now uh, as a executive and leadership coach. So Stephanie, it's great to have you here. Great to have you on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our chats uh, that were not on the podcast, but we're here on the podcast today. So uh, that's what I want to talk about. And so I would love to start with just a warm-up question just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. So my question to you is, what was your first job and what did you learn from that experience? Yeah. Thank you, Al. And I will get to that. But first, I'll just say thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest on the podcast. It's 100% mutual. I always learn so much from our conversation and I'm just so impressed by and in awe of the work that you're doing in the world. Really excited to be collaborating with you on the podcast today. And I think this will be a fun conversation. To get back to your question, my first job came a little later than maybe most. So I grew up in a home. My dad is an immigrant from Iran. My mom is from the United States. And I think both of them were really focused on school. And so they said to my siblings and I, no jobs. Your job in high school is to be a student and to focus as much as possible on your academics. And so I was always a bit jealous of some of my other friends in high school who were working and taking part-time jobs because it, it just seemed interesting and enriching. And some of them were at the mall, which is where I wanted to be hanging out. But eventually, the summer before I started college, I did get a job. And it was working for a temp agency. And so my sister had worked for the temp agency the year before. And she had told me, oh, these temp agency, a lot of the jobs might be, I think my first assignment was being a receptionist at the sample house of a tracked home community that was being sold. And I just sat there and greeted the people, gave them flyers. And so I think maybe one of the things I learned from that summer, I had a bunch of different temp jobs, was was just that, yes, that work might have been high paying, but it wasn't interesting. It wasn't stimulating. It wasn't fulfilling. And that's not what I wanted out of work. Thank you for sharing that. And certainly you've come away since then, but I want to start maybe this conversation with what were you doing prior to entering business school in your career? And why did you decide at that period point in time that you wanted to get an MBA? Yeah, great question. So I actually studied literature. And so I went to a liberal arts school and I studied literature, foreign languages, um, and was just really interested in the humanities. And so I had thought as an undergraduate that my career path might take me Um, into the academic realm. And actually, um, right after I graduated from college, I had the opportunity to spend some time 
um, teaching English as a foreign language. And so I did that for a couple of years in South America and I had amazing personal growth opportunities, a lot of travel. And then at the time I ended up relocating back to the United States and I landed in the Bay Area. And I wasn't so interested in business at that time. I still really thought that my career path would take me back to doing something academic like a PhD in Spanish. But I just thought to myself, before I enter um, a long degree program like a PhD in Spanish, maybe I should first try getting a job just in case I actually really enjoy working as much as I enjoy studying. And I thought about getting jobs at nonprofits or think tanks um, based on my liberal arts background, but what I ended up getting was a job at Google. And this was when Google was embarking on a very ambitious project to digitize all the books in the world. So I wasn't at that point really interested in business, but I was interested in books, having studied literature and I had thought maybe about working in publishing. But here was this job at Google and one of my um, friends from my undergraduate degree told me, hey, Google's hiring people who love books. They have a shuttle. They'll take you down from San Francisco to Mountain View. And so I applied and I was fortunate to get hired into that program. And I spent four years at Google working with publishing companies who are giving Google co content to digitize. And so through that experience, I started to grow and evolve and I started to see, oh, actually, a lot of the impact that I'm interested in making on the world, there are businesses that are doing that type of work. It doesn't have to be just an academic approach to studying these things. Maybe I could be building products or creating services. And so that's what I became aware of at Google. And then I started to see, oh, there's a lot of people who have great skills to do those things. And it's because they have business training. And so I decided that I wanted that business training and I decided to go get an MBA as part of that. So getting that business training and that business toolkit, I definitely that definitely resonates. And I know that you ended up at uh, Ross. Could you share a little bit about from your time at Ross, maybe one or two impactful experiences that you had either because they helped you get that business training that you wanted or because they were just meaningful or impactful in your own growth and development? Yeah, there were so many. Business school is just like a supercharged journey of personal growth. And I think also for me, one of the things that was really helpful was I had had background in the liberal arts and then I was working at Google. And so I didn't I didn't have broad exposure to business. And so I think that made business school kind of a, a steep learning curve for me. I remember in my first semester taking finance, accounting, maybe statistics all in one semester. And I, I had never taken any of those subjects. And I think, so what was so interesting about that was on the one hand, here I was alongside classmates who had been specialized in those things. And we were all thrown into the same courses. But I realized that a lot of the skills that I did have from my liberal arts background, things like storytelling, things like being able to understand the context when someone comes to you with a problem and saying, okay, what is it that they're really asking me? I could use those skills. And I started to see that the skills that I did have, the strategic thinking skills that I did have were really valuable. So I think that gave me a lot of confidence to try new things in the business world. And then I also learned just the incredible importance of building relationships because again, I didn't always have the business background that some of my classmates did, but through spending time with them, building relationships with them, figuring out how to ask for help when I needed it, I actually was able to be quite successful at some of the different business school activities. And I think I also learned that and took that forward with me back into the workplace. So as you think about getting back into the workplace, what was that first job 
and company for that matter, post MBA. And I'm leading the witness here because I know where it is, but could you talk, I think it's a pretty cool place, but could you talk a little bit about that experience, particularly at the time when you joined this company? Yeah, I think actually you're skipping over one. And I do want to talk about that company. But what I did right out of um, business school was actually I joined the Bassett Boston Consulting Group. And I don't know if that's the one that you were talking. Is that what you were talking about? No, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> but there's one in there. But I yeah. forgot about You're right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, but so yes. I'll talk about that quickly. And then I know the other company that you and I both hold very dear. We can talk about that too. But I, because I had seen within Google that a lot of the moonshot projects that I wanted to work on were staffed by former management consultants, I just thought to myself, like, how do I become a former management consultant? And Michigan also is very oriented towards management consulting. So a lot of my my peers were going out for management consulting jobs. And I love case interviews. And I ended up getting hired by the Boston Consulting Group. And I worked for them in their Chicago and their San Francisco offices. And I always say, even though my tenure there wasn't long, I learned so much during that time. They sometimes say one year in consulting is like three years doing anything else. And I think that was really true. It really complemented what I had learned in business school in terms of going from the theory to the practice of looking at financial statements, reading earnings, trying to understand what was going on for the companies that we were working for. And it was an amazing experience on top of what I had at Ross. That's a little bit about my first role out of business school, but just a little bit about the trajectory. Um, I always knew that I was looking at management consulting as a way to get more um, hard business skills that I could then take back into tech. And so um, I was really lucky that out of um, BCG, when I was ready to leave, I basically stumbled into this exciting role at SurveyMonkey. And SurveyMonkey was a super interesting company at that time. It was 280 people, not a startup, but much smaller than Google, where I had been. So I was excited to be part of a smaller company. So I went there. I was also really excited to work with Dave Goldberg, who was the CEO at the time. I worked there for two years. And then after two years at SurveyMonkey, I got a call from one of my favorite companies of all time with a really compelling role. And I ended up joining LinkedIn. Hey there, it's Al, and thanks so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show, and I hope you're enjoying it too. If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, or simply share it on social media or send it to a friend. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. And I guess right, if, I, if I may indulge you on this... I think that today, recording this in 2023, certainly tech companies are a popular destination for employees who, uh, particularly from MBA programs. But I just would be curious to know, what was it like to work at a company like LinkedIn during a period of time where there was a lot of growth and there was also just a uh, we were collectively at a different tech was obviously a thing, but mm -hmm. certainly perhaps not to the degree that it is today. So just would love to hear your perspective for your insight or your experiences of working at LinkedIn and in tech at, at that period of time. Yeah. Throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to work at tech companies and be a part of creating products and services that are changing the world. And I think that's been really meaningful to me. I think as a result of working at companies with these like bold and audacious missions, I've met amazing people who have become my friends, my mentors. And then I've also really expanded my 
definition of what's possible professionally, just from seeing things that I was exposed to through through working at those companies. And I think LinkedIn in particular is just like a laboratory of amazing development opportunities for employees. And so I personally feel like I got so much development because LinkedIn has this ethos around how do you make a really wonderful culture. The culture at LinkedIn is exceptional. People feel so much pride of ownership around what LinkedIn is and its values and its mission. The leaders at LinkedIn, I think, are world-class. So just being able to attend all hands with Jeff Wiener, who's the CEO at the time, and watching and learning from his leadership. And then also just the members' first orientation about how do you collect a group of employees and then like really instill in them this ethos of it's important to serve our members. That that was really inspiring. LinkedIn was a great place to work. And then on top of that, I got to work on something that I was particularly inspired by, which I've always had a passion for education and helping students. Not a surprise based on what I do now. I've been really also interested in helping people navigate their careers because I think it's hard to navigate a career and to find that work that is going to be meaningful and fulfilling. And and LinkedIn at the time was building products for students. And so I joined as part of that um, because we we had built an app, which was all about um, leveraging LinkedIn's data signals to help students find jobs. And I had the opportunity to lead programs in that space. And it it just was, it was one of the best chapters of my career. So on that, I would be curious to know, because now you are an executive coach, but I would love to know, when did you start thinking about coaching and leadership and executive coaching? Where did that kind of seed start to come plant? And what was that process for you in terms of having that idea for it, learning how to do it, and then getting to a point where eventually where you are now in terms of running your own coaching practice? Yeah. So it was born at LinkedIn. So I actually don't know if we've talked about this, but so I was in my first role at LinkedIn, I was focused on students. And so I spent the first two years building relationships with universities. And then I stepped into a different role and I was more focused on working with our job seekers. And so in that second role, One of the things we started playing with was the idea of might LinkedIn at some point want to get into bundling coaching with some software products that we were building for job seekers. And I, as a former MBA, former strategy consultant, was tasked with learning everything about the coaching industry and particularly learning what organizations were training and certifying coaches because we thought, oh, maybe we could partner with one of those and that would be a scalable way for us to integrate some coaching services into um, our business. And I did that. And through educating myself about coaching, I started to hear over and over again, coaches mentioning this really interesting training program that was based in the Bay Area. At the time, it was called the Coaches Training Institute. It's since been rebranded as the Coactive Training Institute. And so I remember listening to a video from a coach um, whose name is Jenny Blake. Jenny's content is about pivoting. And she told a story about her own career and about being early at Google, but really being most passionate about helping people with their careers more so than building software or selling ads. And I was like, wow, that really sounds like me. So I decided to go to CTI and get a certification in coaching. So I literally was like Googling, like, what is CTI? And um, I did one of CTI's webinars and I really liked it. And so then I went to their introductory program And I wasn't sure um, if I would ever want to work full-time as a coach. And I thought that I wouldn't, Um, but I just knew that I loved every moment of those trainings. And it's really where I felt most alive and most engaged. And so I just wanted to do more and more. And so I eventually went all the way through CTI's training program and I did their certification program and I finished that up in 2020. 
as part of being certified, I had to get clients because in order to become a certified coach, you have to coach for a hundred hours. I found that I was actually able to get clients and that I enjoyed that process. And I just started working as a coach on the side while also working full time. And it's kind of a long story, but eventually I just realized that it wasn't tenable for me to grow my coaching business anymore while still working full time. And I took the leap into becoming a solopreneur and running my coaching business as my full-time role. And that was in February of 2022. So what I appreciate about that is and I think it speaks to a broader theme of this podcast and episode. There's a lot of people who listen to this uh, podcast because they do see the value in getting an MBA, but also in thinking about the steps they want to take to grow in their career. And I think a lot of times it is often very easy to fixate on finding that one thing, that one definitive thing. And what I appreciate about the story or your story is that it, I wouldn't say it happened by quote unquote accident, but it ne didn't necessarily a cup pop on the roadmap, but because you were paying attention to things that you were interested in and finding, once you found them, finding ways to explore them further, it's eventually momentum started to build and then opportunities presented themselves and you took it from there. But it, I think what resonates from that, at least for me, is just this general idea though of sometimes it doesn't necessarily for everyone just come to you in a flash. Right. It, it really takes some exploring and right. some evolving to get there. Yeah. Thank you for calling that out, Al. And I will say that I like to describe it as incubation where I mm. didn't know yeah. exactly how coaching would manifest in my life. I just knew that it gave me energy and I loved it. And for a while I thought maybe this will just give me really great skills to be a people leader within a corporate environment. But I was open to what direction it might take. And I encourage my clients to pay attention to what gives you energy. But yes, as you describe, also to not feel like it has to be overly scripted, to be open mm. to how things might unfold. So now that you run your own coaching practice, could you talk a little bit about what's that experience like in terms of now running a business? Yeah. Oh, I could write a whole book on that. So <laughs> one of the things that I like to tell people is that I actually made a double pivot. So I pivoted into coaching and I pivoted into being a solopreneur. Those things don't necessarily need to go together. I have found that that combination works really well for me, but I think both of them require a lot of thought, training, energy, and they don't necessarily always have to go together. But I'll just share that I think what I like the most about it is that I get to do this incubation that I did with coaching, but I get to do it full time. And I think this might resonate with you as well, that I'm constantly prototyping different things that I might enjoy. So I started with one-on-one -on -one coaching and in 2022, I got hired by The Grand World, which is a group coaching platform where we work with groups of startup founders. And that was something new for me that I added to my toolkit, where now I get to work through the grand with groups. I also have added workshop facilitation to my business just because I really love helping people grow and develop, but not everyone wants to do that through one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so workshop facilitation offers a lot of the same satisfaction that I get from coaching, but just in a different format. And with each of these I'm at a different level of product market fit because I've been doing it for 
shorter or longer amounts of time. And so it's just been really fun and interesting to prototype these different offerings and to also think about as my business grows, which of those things really continue to give me energy, which are the ones where I'm not excited to get out of bed and do them, which so far, none of them have been that. There's always things that you find that you do or don't enjoy. And then I think that just gives me more ideas for where I want to outsource as my business grows and I need to bring in support. So I would love to have you reflect back a little bit. So obviously when you're in business school, you're thinking a lot about your future and about your career and about career growth. And I would just love to know, as you reflect back, what has maybe what have maybe been the most important learnings you've had just thinking about career growth from where you were in business school to how you think about that where you are today? Yeah. One learning that actually is almost counterintuitive is being true to your own path and not comparing yourself to other people. And the reason that I say it is counterintuitive is that business school in some ways, I think, narrows a bit the opportunities that people are looking at. And and for good reason, right? When you're in business school, you have a lot of corporate recruiters coming to you. And so probably doing something like becoming a solopreneur coach right out of business school, I don't know that that would have made sense when I had opportunities to join BCG and, and learn so much. But I would also say that I think what has been most meaningful to me is really charting my own path, not comparing myself to others, not feeling like, oh, so-and-so is doing X, Y, and Z. So that's really what success means. But instead really looking at who am I, what lights me up. And even though that might be different than what lights up other people, that's okay. And in fact, that's great because it means there's an opportunity for me to go and do that. I think one thing that's been really important is charting your own path and not comparing yourself to others. And then I think the other thing has just been the threat of relationships. So I would say so much of what has made my life and my business flourish has been the relationships that I've had. And many of those relationships I made through business school. So a great example, Al, is that the way I know you is that my business school classmate, Jeremy Schieflang, knew you. And when I started working at LinkedIn, he was like, you two should meet. And obviously he knew that we had a lot in common and that it would be useful for both of us to know each other. And then even more so, once you become self-employed, knowing people who are willing to vouch for you and who are willing to open doors for you becomes even more important. And so I think that started for me at business school where I really started to develop a really vibrant network of people who I cared about, who cared about me. And I've just been fortunate to really carry that through. And so I don't think I was being deliberate about it, honestly. I don't think I went there thinking, oh, these people are going to be the ones who are going to introduce me to people who will make my business successful. But if I did have any advice to business school students, I would definitely say hold those relationships close and do what you can to help people now because they will be helping you at some point in the future. Well, on this thread of, of advice, I would love to ask you, so we have a lot of our listeners who are thinking about the next step in their career and a lot of times that could be pursuing an MBA degree. I would love to know from you, what advice might you have, what career advice you might have for those professionals who are at a point in their career where they are looking to take the next step and they realize that an MBA could be that next step. What would you share with them or what could you give to them that would uh, be useful or helpful? Yeah, I think a couple things that I focus on with my clients, I think there's two things that could be used here. One is I often ask them questions to help them locate their priorities. Mm -hmm. And that can be a simple question of what's most important to you now. 
And I think that's a good question to ask yourself when you're considering an MBA, because if what's most important to you now, for example, is, is having a lot of financial abundance, then maybe that might not be the time to pursue an MBA because it might mean taking time off from work. Or if what's important to you is routine and predictability and stability, maybe it's not the right time. But if the right, if it's what's most important to you now is accelerating your career, taking a risk, really making meaningful progress on your life goals, then I think an MBA is a good choice. But I always recommend to people that they be very thoughtful about what it is that they're hoping to get from it rather than just following the herd and thinking like, oh, this is, I've just, I've been in the workforce for two or three years. This is the logical next step. Because I also think that um, oftentimes staying in your current job, there could be a lot of opportunity. So I just ask people to really interrogate what's important to me now. What am I hoping to get out of getting an MBA? So that's one. And then I think the other thing that I always work with my clients on and that I would encourage anyone to think about are what are my values? What are some things that are non-negotiable for me in my life? And for me, for example, I have a very strong value around growth. It's very important to me to always be growing. And oftentimes that looks like learning, which is part of why I think I pursued an MBA because I wanted to learn and I wanted to grow. I also have a really strong value of relationships. And so I think that also made me a good candidate for an MBA because I wanted to go and build relationships. So I think that's also some good work to do is to figure out what are five things that are non-negotiables for me in my life. And then you could ask yourself, would getting an MBA help me have more access to those things? So those are a couple of frameworks that I like to use. I think those are great pieces of advice and a great way to end this conversation. Stephanie, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And I know that you mentioned a little bit about some of the work that you do in terms of coaching and facilitation, but could you share a little bit more about some of the work you do and if people want to learn more about you and your work, where they can find you? Thank you so much, Al. I'd be happy to. So I do leadership and executive coaching. If folks are wondering what leadership coaching is, it's very similar to executive coaching, but it is offered to folks who might not be executives yet. So I work with people one-on-one on helping them figure out what would bring me fulfillment in my career. I also help with relationship building, with developing strategic thinking and executive presence. And I do that in one-on-one and in groups. So if folks are interested in learning more, they can check out my website at www.stephaniemovahead.com or also follow me on one of our favorite sites, LinkedIn, where I'm always talking about leadership, personal development, growth, and just generally having a good time because I love LinkedIn. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.